When shadows gather, when shades of night descend, I kneel to lay my burdens at the Father's feet again. I offer up my sorrow in trust to him my grief and at his touch my heart is filled with peace at his touch my heart is filled with peace born upon a prayer my soul is lifted up and folded in the arms of everlasting love. Cradled in his kindness, sheltered by his grace, like a child in heaven's embrace. When heartaches linger and tears I cannot stay, I find my hope and refuge in his presence. As I pray, no hurt beyond his healing, no pain beyond his reach. And at his touch, my heart is filled with peace. At his touch, my heart is filled with peace. One upon a prayer, my soul is lifted up and folded in the arms of everlasting love. Cradled in his kindness, Sheltered by his grace, like a child in heaven's embrace. Born upon a prayer, my soul is lifted up and folded in. Of everlasting love, cradled in his kindness, sheltered by his grace, like a child in heaven's embrace.
like a child in heaven's embrace. Pause. Pause and pause again and pause. It's the Jenny Hatch Show at Colin, and I am your host. I am here today to share with you a song, one of my favorite songs, Heaven's Embrace, and just share some thoughts on the passing scene. Today is uh, the date of a big walkout that's been announced across America. There are many people who are walking up their jobs in protest of the vaccine mandates. And tomorrow there's going to be a worldwide rally that has been organized by people like Robert Kennedy Jr. and others who have been watching the vaccine scene for a long time. And they are going to do this worldwide walkout. They're encouraging everybody to walk off the job in protest and uh, to stand up for freedom. And so I have many of these people who I've known for a long time. They're my friends, acquaintances, and colleagues as in activism for medical freedom. And anybody who's read my work on the internet understands that um, I'm a health freedom activist. And I started my blog simply to encourage husbands and wives to uh, go home to give birth to their babies. I have recognized for a long time that there was going to be a, a situation where the medical profession perhaps would not be available to us to use for giving birth to our children. And I, I have always just ex exhorted people in my sphere of influence to learn the skills of emergency childbirth in preparation for a time such as this when, uh, whether from natural disaster or economic collapse or the government failing us or a pandemic, that we would be compelled to give birth to our children in our own home. And it used to be said about the American farmer, which even as, as recently as 100 years ago, most of the families in America lived on farms. But it used to be said of the American farmer, that he could barter or trade for just about anything except for one cash expense every year. And that cash expense was to pay the midwife who attended his wife during their birth. And so it was just acknowledged that this was a service that was valuable to him and to his family. And the midwife would come out and help catch the baby and he would pay her cash, but everything else he and they, his family, could produce on their own. And um, boy, what a, what a road we've traveled since that day. Uh, in the 1940s, some things happened in America 
that really changed the trajectory for all of our lives to, to get us to where we are today. And this is not very well-known history, but it's, it's enough out there that you can Google Project Paperclip and find this information on the internet. So here's the story. At the end of World War II, the Nazis were defeated and uh, the people who won the war were cheering and it's over, it's over. But in the dark of night, there was a project tied to the US military called Project Paperclip, wherein hundreds of German scientists who were kind of like the bulk of the, the really dark side of Nazism were brought over to America. It's called Project Paperclip. They were set up in American labs, many tied to our military. And George P. Merck, who was the founder of Merck Pharmaceuticals, was in control of the Nazi war chest, which was mostly the spoils of war that were stolen from the Jews that were slaughtered. And he brought the Nazi war chest over to America. And with that money, he started Merck Pharmaceutical Company. And that was the beginning. During the 50s and the 60s, the things, the types of things that were being rolled out by pharmaceutical companies were PCP, LSD, cocaine. And these drugs were being heralded in the media as wonder drugs, scopalamine. These drugs were being used on everybody to cure, so-called cure, alcoholism, drug addiction. They were used on women in labor. Scopalamine was used on pregnant women when they were in labor, giving birth as a way to help them forget their labor and put them under with the ethers and then they take the baby out and the mom had no memory of what happened to her during birth. I remember telling my brother, who's an attorney in the army, uh, he was one of those JAG attorneys, this reality. And he said, scopalamine is used as a, a truth serum. They wouldn't have used that on pregnant women. He could not believe that this drug was used on pregnant women, yet it was. All of these drugs that are now street drugs and FYI, the same companies produce the illegal drugs. They just, you know, like to play it both ways. We've got your drugs that are legally produced for the doctors to prescribe to you. And then we've got the illegal drugs on the streets. And we, get, make, we make the most money off the illegal drugs. So, you know, can't put us out of business because that's where we make our money. But... Um, these drugs were finally taken off the market by Congress. A lot of people don't know that. LSD, PCP, angel dust, those are the, the street names, cocaine. It was determined that no, these drugs are not helpful for mental illness and alcoholism and women in labor. So get them off the market and go underground. But they always have more stuff in the wings, ready to go. And um, so, these are the types of things that were going on early on with the drug companies. Uh, doctors set out to, to convince women that the only way to give birth was with an epidural. And so the, the drug that is shot into the mother's 
um, a spinal fluid to create the, the epidural block is a derivative of cocaine. And uh, it works, you know, it numbs. I've had an epidural. I had one with my second birth. I had a C-section, but I wanted to be awake. So I had the, the drug shot into my back. They work. You don't feel anything until after, but while they're actually doing the surgery, you don't feel it. So, you know, they set out to sell women on epidurals. And, and boy, that, that sales job has been amazing. Uh, there are women who just, they won't, they won't get pregnant if they think they won't be able to get their, their epidural to give birth. So they're we're right there. You know, good job, guys. Your, your production, your, your marketing scheme worked. Um, the druggist who compounded Premarin, pregnant mare's urine. It's literally a drug that comes from horse pee. So the pharmacologist who came up with Premarin, which millions of women were seduced into using through a variety of, of cultural tactics. Um, remember the movie Fried Green Tomatoes? What's the catchphrase of that movie? How many of them hormones are you taking, honey? Remember that line? Jessica Tandy in the movie Tawanda. How many of those hormones are you taking? That's, that's the catchphrase in that movie. And that movie was designed to convince women to take hormones. Hormone replacement therapy, Premarin, pregnant mare's piss. This is what women were taking and still are taking to, quote, help them with their hormones being off balance. The dude who compounded that drug bragged to his fellow pharmaceutical company execs that he could convince the American mother to eat encapsulated horse poop with the right marketing campaign. He bragged about it. I can get those dumb women to eat encapsulated horse pucky with the right marketing campaign. So, you know, I've been criticized over the years for being so openly Christian. You know, I'm, I'm even a fool for Jesus. I love my savior. My question for you out there is whose fool are you? Whose marketing campaign have you listened to and you believed that has taken you to this point in history? I want to give you a little history on vaccines because this also is not very well known. Around the time of the revolution, they definitely had issues. I'm talking the American revolution. They definitely had issues with smallpox. We all know that George Washington inoculated the army and it helped with the problems they were having with smallpox. I acknowledge that history and I believe it. But after the war, the war, and it was a war, and it still is a war, between those who believed in natural immunity and those who believed in vaccination continued. And whenever there was an epidemic of smallpox, they quarantined and they isolated and they vaccinated. But it started to come out that there were a lot of people dying from the vaccines. And so the question was, is it better to just get smallpox naturally and let your immune system fight it? Or is it better to give a healthy person just a little bit of smallpox in the way they used to do it back then, 
was they would um they would literally slice into somebody's arm and open up a wound and put some live small smallpox into the body and this was the way they you know inoculated someone and the person would get smallpox and you know hopefully it wasn't too bad of a case and then they'd recover and and uh they they have their immunity the difference between then and now is that back then they were using live viruses and it was the current virus whipping around town and whatever was you know happening right there in the community they were inoculating against and there is some wisdom to say okay it's a live virus there's a epidemic and you use this live virus the problem is that when you introduce that virus through you know into a muscle or the arm it's not coming in the way viruses usually enter the body which is ear nose throat eyes mucous membranes there's all sorts of natural things at play in your ear nose and throat area of your body that can fight viruses that are not in play with the open wound. So the open wound, you got this, this infection coming in there. The body's like, where did this come from? How did it get in here? You know, it's not supposed to be here. It's, it comes in through the nose or the mouth. And so again, these are the issues that virologists and doctors were debating back then, hundreds of years ago. What's the best way to do this? They finally had to pass a law in certain places to say, we're not going to mandate these vaccines. Have to leave it up to choice because so many people are dying from getting vaccinated. But in New York, in New York State, they were able to hold on to that mandate. And isn't that interesting that that heritage is still there? And uh, anybody who wanted to be vaccinated sometimes had to go to New York to get the vaccine because they recognized that it, it wasn't really helping long term. This was reiterated, this history, when my husband and I read a, a book called The British Are Coming, and it's just kind of a history of America during that time. And there was a whole section on vaccines. And it reemphasized to me, yes, this, this is really how it was. There was a war even back then over how are we going to heal? Are we going to use natural immunity, strengthen the immune system, strengthen the terrain of the body so that it can withstand and fight? Or are we going to, you know, make ourselves sick to see if, if our body's immune system will rise to the challenge and fight off the virus. So, you know, these issues are there. They've been there for a long time. The only concern that natural immunity promoters had was that at some point the pro-vaccine people would capture public health, would capture the government and start mandating that everybody has to have everything in the name of science. And boy, weren't those doctors prophetic in their beliefs about where it could all go. So about the turn of the 20th century, there was a dude, Flexner, he was sent out by the drug companies, those who wanted to entrench drugs, pharmaceuticals, vaccine in our society. He was sent out to identify all of the medical schools that were homeopathic, chiropractic, welcomed women and minorities. And they, sh they shut all those medical schools down. They wouldn't license them in the way that they were licensing the drug-focused medical schools. And we had this, this rising up of 
credentialed real medicine, which ironically enough, you know, these are the old calomel doctors who were poisoning their patients with this mercury substance. And um, they wanted drugs. And why they wanted drugs is because they wanted the patents on those drugs. That was their ticket to making lots and lots of money. And they recognized that there was more money to be made in making people sick and keeping people sick than there was in natural healing, natural immunity, and then doing things to nudge the body to wellness, which that would include homeopathics, herbal remedies, chiropractic, which tends to lean more natural, osteopathy, actually. You know, I know the osteopaths sold their souls and went over with the druggies with the vaccines, but, you know, traditionally the osteopaths had much more in common with your chiropractic than, than the traditional drug doctors. So drug and surgery doc- doctoring took over. They captured the government. They funded themselves through government programs tied to the military, tried to, tied to Medicare. If you want to get treated medically, you use their stuff, which is drugs and surgery. That's what they do to try to help people. Now, as a dissident from the system, I am an apostate from that system. Do I believe there's a place in our society for drugs and surgery? Yes, I do. And it is under the banner of an emergency. You have someone who's having a psychiatric emergency. Yes, you want to have them in professional care. You want to use the medications that will calm their troubled minds. Yes, that's what you want to do. Have a mother who's been in a car accident. Her pelvis is crushed. You need to deliver the baby right now. Go ahead. Do that surgery, get the baby out, get the baby in a NICU. They save lives. There is no question they save lives. Where I diverge with them is in just the day-to-day living, normal, healthy living. When they apply that standard to all of us is where I take issue. And that is where I diverge from them. So I'm going to play you a clip from a rally that happened yesterday in Fort Collins, Colorado. It's just an hour north of here. I almost went, but it was snowing and I have lung issues and I just can't be out in the cold. So I didn't get to go. But my dear friend, fellow activist, colleague, Michelle Malkin gave a barn burner of a speech. And I'm going to share the last five minutes with you because she was crying while she gave this speech. I was crying when I watched it. And it's one of those speeches that you just have to hear if you want to understand the nuances of what we're all experiencing right now. So here's the speech. I could not have imagined the place that we're at now, where our kids are being ostracized, where they're being shunned, where they're feeling persecution that it took me 30, 35 years of being in the public square to feel and their teenagers are, and their prepubescent, and some of them are in elementary school, having to feel shame and be bullied for standing up for the truth and wanting to breathe. This is not right. It's evil. It is evil. And the one thing that reminds all of us is that we're here to protect our children. <laughs>
denigrated for being anti-science. When the big elites of the scientific establishment are full of hot air, when they lie to us every day, when they give us false narratives and change the goalposts to keep us in fear and to keep us under their boot. Get out from under their boot. They're making billions of dollars. Fire Fauci! tyrants. There is a conspiracy of silence by too many medical professionals who know better. century 2021 underground samizdata join it be a part of it and we're learning that we don't need to depend on and be hostage to silicon valley propaganda all it takes is one all it takes is one look at look at us thousands of us here and the sleet. Nothing can stop us if we stand together. We will not stand against our children being choked off and stifled. We will not stand for the lies of big media shills who get billions of dollars in pharmaceutical advertising. This is a land of the three and free and you can't mandate me. That's okay. Faith, Faith over fear is the equation that will end tyranny. And let's go, Brandon. Colorado. Let's go, 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 Colorado. Let's go,
pause. 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 So these are the thoughts in my heart today. Um, I stand with Michelle Malkin, all the patriots and freedom lovers who showed up in Fort Collins yesterday. Thousands of families showed up to support that rally. And five people showed up to counter demonstrate. And um, I would suppose that those five people who showed up were probably paid to be there. But, you know, this is where we're at tomorrow. I absolutely support the walkout. I, I will be walking out of my apartment and throwing up my, my flag, too, just to support all of them. But um, it, it's probably one of the darkest times in American history right now, as they are literally ready to roll out this vaccine for the children. And uh, I pray, I pray that we can withstand all of the um, the mandates and the the darkness that's descending on our, our society right now. Thanks so much for stopping by. I am just so glad everybody's here listening and I will be back next week with another song and some thoughts on a passing scene. God bless.